0: I'm Alex. And I'm Harrison. And this is Dream a Little Deeper, a critical retrospective on the Walt Disney Animation Studios films.
1: And today, we're talking about Bambi.
0: All right. You all know by now what the drill is. We're going to start each episode with a bit of history to help give the movie some context. And so today we're going to start with some background of Bambi's source material, uh, then talk about the Walt Disney Company's creative process with the film, and then dive a bit into the cultural impact that Bambi had.
1: Um, you got a lot here, good well, lord.
0: I wanna, I want to preface this by saying um, I kind of like fell into the same trap that I did last time with Dumbo in that I had maybe like a page and a half and then I was... And then
1: com- you read one Wikipedia page, <laughs> and, and it was no, just...
0: not a one Wikipedia page. I did one Google search, and it took me to a free JSTOR article.
1: Oh, no. Which,
0: like, for people who don't know what JSTOR is, it is, like, the undergrad mecca of um, every article you could ever need. So we covered a lot of history in our last episode, a whole, like, 35 minutes of it, Um. Quick recap, what started as a small animation house quickly turned into a large Hollywood film studio with an emphasis on animation. With that, the family-friendly atmosphere in the business turned corporate, but the Great Depression, coupled with the money the studio lost with Pinocchio and Fantasia, which was partly due to the Second World War blocking international markets, that affected both the studio and its employees shares dropped for the company, lower tiered workers were not getting paid a living wage. Due to the financial difficulties the Walt Disney Company was in, the studio purposefully made Dumbo cheaply. Realism was not the intention, as making animation look realistic also made it expensive. Even with Dumbo's success, the company did not make back all the money they lost. So you think the next phase in this company's history would be, you know, focusing on maintaining financial stability and like, you know, repeating kind of what they did with Dumbo. But, Before we get there, and we will get there in the next episode, we have Bambi. So with Bambi, the studio backtracks because it's a film that aesthetically is more in line with Snow White, Pinocchio, and even Fantasia. When I was originally making the list of um, all the movies we were going to do, I accidentally put Bambi after Fantasia as the fourth film, not the fifth. Because in my head, it made more sense that you'd couple those fancy films together and then have Dumbo. But that's not the case. So Bambi the Movie is based off of a novel. Unlike Dumbo's source material, it was realistically complex and a lot more serious. It focused on darker topics like starvation, the realities of survival, and predators in nature. The book also makes the relationship between humans and nature complex and multilayered. But doesn't outright say humans are evil. Back in 1933, Sidney Franklin with MGM Studios wanted to make Bambi a live-action movie, and even outlined the whole story, but he ended up selling the film rights to Disney. Disney began production on Bambi in 1936, so about one year before Snow White and the Seven Dwarves hit theaters. With this in mind, the seemingly sudden switch to realism and emotional believability when looking at the chronology makes more sense, but Disney ran into some issues. Like I mentioned, the original story was more serious and writers had a hard time adapting a story that was so dark. Uh, The first draft of the film was several hours long and it was very complex, very serious, and they ended up having to make major changes. So a couple of these examples, they cut out a lot of characters. They had all these really random scenes plotted out for the film to really show kind of how the different animals kind of work together in a forest to create like the forest ecosystem. So there's this one scene they had where there was a bee in Bambi's stomach and Thumper would talk to the bee through like Bambi's ear and then would open Bambi's mouth and the bee would like talk out through the esophagus. Harrison.
1: <laughs> I didn't think they could make Thumper any worse. But thank God that's not in the movie.
0: Speaking of Thumper, Thumper's dad was also a major player in the original draft um, but then they figured that he didn't need a father figure in the film um, and rather his presence would be shown through like those lines were like the mom is like thumper what did your father say about eating greens there was also like a squirrel and a chipmunk character who they both had a lot more screen time and there's this whole scene that he had planned with an ant colony where like Bambi would like stamp on the ant colony and then you'd go down and see like the destruction that it caused for the ants and see how like their whole, you know, home was just utterly like devastated, even though basically like Bambi just kind of stepped on a, on a little like sandy bit. Anyways, all that was cut out. Uh, And there was also darker elements in the original drafts that were cut out. So Bambi's mom, they were going to show her death at the you know, at that moment, the climax in the film, but Walt was like, nah, that's uh that's too dark. We're we're not gonna do that. Apparently up until like the nineteen eighties there's still accounts of like children screaming when Bambi's mom dies, like when kids are watching the movie for the first time. So much so that in the nineteen eighty eight re release, USA Today advised that children under the age of seven should not see Bambi. The article said, quote, The movie feeds into a young child's worst fear, that of losing a parent. But then the Chicago Tribune came out and they're like, kids are handling this just fine. It's really the parents that are more scared by the scene, which I don't think is necessarily wrong. But that's another topic for discussion. They also wanted to show that the hunter died in the fire that he started at the end of the film, ultimately went against that because they showed it to a test audience of about 400 people and apparently they all like stood up and were like no (laughs) this is not okay (laughs) we don't like this so they were like okay okay we're not gonna do that anymore another change that happened Bambi and his father's relationship really changed um in the book the father has even less of a presence in Bambi's life than he does in the movie. When that moment when Bambi's mom dies and in the movie, the father comes and is like, come on, Bambi, like, let's go together. That doesn't happen in the book. Instead, the father, like, comes up to him, looks down and says, can't you stay by yourself? And then, like, leaves, just (laughs) leaving him to suffer. And the whole point of that is that showing that, you know, You really, like, in nature, you're out for yourself. Solitude is what allows you to survive. And the whole point of the book is because the father said that to Bambi, Bambi becomes the next, like, great prince of the forest. I don't think that actually happens. But, like, he's able to live. He's able to get past this moment. Um, Which, like, when you think about how this is how it really happened, it makes Bambi, too, really dumb. Because the whole point of that movie is that the dad and Bambi, like, form a relationship together. So it's kind of like... They really deviated from the source material there. So it was very typical for the Walt Disney Company when they were, you know, storyboarding these movies to just make hours and hours and hours of content storyboarded out and then cutting like three fourths of it. Some animators who worked on Pinocchio said that if they made a film of all the storyboards that they made, it would be like a two day long movie just because of how much was planned out. And some people would call this a little like over the top, but for Walt this was all part of like world building. This was so that he could understand what was going on in this world where his film was taking place. So the first hurdle that the Walt Disney Company had to get over was adapting the source material, a very dark book into a film that was a little more family friendly. The second issue that the animators ran into was drawing animals realistically. Now, obviously, they could draw cartoon animals. I mean, we see them in Snow White and in a lot of the shorts. But Walt was insistent that the animals in the movie look and move like they do in real life. He wanted it to look as realistic as possible. So the company basically brought a zoo to the studio, as a company does. The artist spent so much time with the animals that they, like brought in their pets and would consider these animals to be their pets the animators were drilled on anatomy um two live deer ended up coming in they named them bambi and feline after the two characters in the movie and fun fact so in the book bambi is a black forest roe deer but the model that they brought in was a white-tailed deer so that's why bambi is a white-tailed deer in the movie but animators studied these models they were drilled on anatomy so much so that they like had to watch someone destroy a deer carcass in front of them so that that they can understand like how the bones and the muscles all work and everything which is a little excessive and I'm pretty animators like to this day you know who worked on it they'd say like you could just smell it and it smelled terrible but Walt wanted us to understand so we stood there and we watched it. So another issue that animators ran into was uh, actually making the antlers look realistic. Uh, They had a really hard time keeping them in perspective and maintaining their volume as the deer were moving across the screen. And also the antlers tended to look very rubbery and seemed to wobble because of the pencil marks as they were drawing. And here's an interesting fact. So Bambi's eyes, not deer eyes, They appear realistic, like human eyes, a caricature of deer eyes. That's because Mark Davis, uh, he's one of the animators, he would, to get inspiration for the eyes, he'd like study the expression of babies and would use that to like do the facial expressions of the deer, specifically like the eyes. And that kind of helped lend to the emotional believability within the animals so that humans could look at their expressions and be like, ah, yes, now I know what you are feeling. And... We'll talk a bit more about Bambi's cultural impact in a minute, but I felt like this was apt to bring up here. So Bambi's eyes really made an impact on um, everyone, the world, so much so that this was probably like four months ago at this point, I was going through a magazine and saw an advertisement for mascara called, I'm showing this to Harrison, the Bambi eye. Oh,
1: okay. 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 All right, yeah.
0: Yeah. And so it's like a picture of a woman and we'll put this we'll put this on our Twitter page so you can see, but it's a picture of a woman and behind her are like cartoon Bambi with its eyes and down in the bottom it's a little sketch of Bambi just like prancing around and it says new Bambi eye mascara instant eye opening results. Volumizes and curls lash by lash. And in the b- top it says open your eyes. Your Bambi eyes. Okay. I didn't really think that Bambi's eyes would become like a like a beauty status. But here we are. But here we are. Special effects have always been huge with the Walt Disney Company when they're doing these realistic films. Um, we talked a lot about um, the water in Pinocchio. Harrison loved the water in Pinocchio. It's very pretty water in Pinocchio. It's good water. It's good water. Um, and so rain obviously in this water is a big deal in this because of that whole um little april shower sequence um so how they did the rain for that is they photographed it at night they would print it enlarge it and then add like drawn cartoon rain and then over it and then paint it in lacquer with no outline so That's how they tried to get those droplets to look as realistic as possible. And then there's other techniques that you can see in this film that animators would test out on shorts before Bambi came out. So the old mill, I know I bring it up a lot, but it was foundational for this. Um, You can see animators testing out the ripple glass effect. So basically what that is, is a piece of glass would go over the artwork in front of the lens. And when you moved the glass, you would get like a ripple effect on the camera. Um, you could also use it for heat distortion with fire. So, that's something that they use with the big forest on fire scene at the end of Bambi. Um, and it was also a f- short that they tested the whole multiplane camera um, shot on. And as we've said before, the multiplane camera helps give this illusion of depth. Um, fun fact the multiplane camera scene in Pinocchio is five seconds shorter than the opening of Bambi when we go through the forest. And then for snow. This, I just thought this was really random. They basically dropped bleach cornflakes in front of a camera and that's how they got the snow effect. So we've got realistic deer with non-rubbery antlers. We've got cornflakes snow. All of this is the animators trying to make Bambi the most realistic film that the Walt Disney Company has put out so far. And in fact, Bambi is so realistic that Sergei Eisenstein calls it a rejection of animation's potential. What are your thoughts on that, Harrison?
1: I mean, he's not too entirely wrong with with how he's approaching it. Like, Eisenstein being Russian um, and generally preferring... Like, uh, one of Eisenstein's big thing was montage theory and Soviet montage theory, um, which... Is basically saying montage good montage can be used to solve lots of problems uh, and like convey a lot of meaning through the abstract juxtaposition of images, um, which since Bambi is so realistic. It's not surprising that Eisenstein is like, y'all could be weirder. What are you doing? This is what, like, because Eisenstein was also a big fan of Fantasia, mm. like, super big fan of Fantasia. Mm-hmm. Um, so to go to go from Fantasia to this is a disappointment in terms of um, the potential of the art form.
0: That makes sense. However, Chris Pallant from Demystifying Disney says, quote, in pursuing and reaching the limits of hyper-realist animation – Disney became the most visible studio in American animation. He even goes on to say that Bambi is the Walt Disney Company's hyper-realist peak. But with all that in mind, animators were not looking for realism when painting the forest background. It's actually quite a stark contrast because you get kind of more of like an impressionist inspiration when you look at the way that they painted it. Um... Background artists spent about six months sketching forest scenes in Maine's Baxter State Park. And the inspiration for that whole impressionist vibe that it's going for is basically Tyrus Wong needed a job. He was an artist, needed a job during the Great Depression, and some animators saw what he was just kind of painting around and they were like, oh, that's good, we like that. Um, So his art ended up inspiring the style of Bambi backgrounds. Um, It has a Chinese landscape influence, so very simple backgrounds, which then allow the color and the characters to really pop up against it. Now remember, even though the Walt Disney Company was making another expensive animated film, not another simplistic film like Dumbo, the company was not doing well financially. Because of World War II starting in 1939, the company was caught off from European markets. This meant box office sales were down for Pinocchio and Fantasia, both of which cost millions of dollars to make. In the Making of Bambi documentary put out by the Walt Disney Company, animators said during the production of the film, the studio was in a lot of debt to the Bank of America. But Walt needed more money to finish production. So kind of like how he did with Snow White, Walt invited executives from the Bank of America to his studios and he didn't really have anything to show them, so he pitched the idea of Bambi to them. These animators said that Walt, ever the enthusiastic actor, had everybody totally engaged and enthralled in the story, so much so that he still got the money to make the picture. The film released on August 12, 1942. It was both a critical and financial flop, People didn't like the lack of fantasy. They didn't like that the humans were the villains in the story that really rubbed people the wrong way. Um, And World War II was a big factor because this is the year that the United States entered World War II. However, it was re-released in 1947 and that made it a classic. By 1988, it earned more than $47 million. Um, So just for perspective, Casablanca, which was released in 1942, made $4 million in that same period of time. And only Gone with the Wind and The Sound of Music, two films released between 39 and 69, made more than this. The American Film Institute says that this is the third greatest animated film ever made. And Bambi goes on to have a huge cultural impact. Scholar Ralph H. Lutz said Bambi played, quote, a key role in shaping American attitudes about an understanding of deer and woodland life. Um, And that the film doesn't affirm nature, it represents a flight from the natural world into a comfortable nature fantasy. So according to him, there actually was plenty of fantasy in the movie. People just didn't seem to, you know, it was just a different term of fantasy. So it goes without saying, I've mentioned it a few times, that people weren't really excited that um, man, specifically hunters, were the... Uh, Bad guy of the film. Um, Hunters hated the movie because they were like, This paints us in a bad light. So, Raymond J. Brown, he was the editor of Outdoor Life. When he found out that, you know, man was the bad guy in Bambi, he sent a telegram to Disney and basically said, Hey, look, you know, deer hunting is illegal in the spring in the US. So, like, your film is applying that our nation of law abiding hunters are not law-abiding, so please put in the front of your film that this is, like, a fantasy, it's not real, you know, that this is just, like, an an artistic interpretation. Disney ignored the telegram, but Brown was determined. He went to appeal to the film's distributor, and no one responded to him there. But editors in other magazines, you know, didn't really get on Brown's bandwagon. They're basically arguing that the average hunter won't actually see themselves in this movie because they'll know, like, wait, that's not what I do. And really what this does, it reflects the public opinion that people had of hunters at the time. So even before the 20th century, people who were economically comfortable like to look at deer and be like, oh, they're so cute, let's not kill them, Um, and sort of condemn hunters who went out and killed deer. And this became a widespread mindset in the 19th century. Let's said, quote, Disney provided a morality play and a national symbol that became touchstones for opposition to hunting. So basically, if Bambi and its existence in the world just kind of fueled this mindset that already existed and made it even more widespread. And so people really began to hate hunters. And it got to the point where, you know, one columnist, his name was George Riger. He wrote for um, Field and Stream. And he sort of compared um, the attitude towards killing deer, like the crucifixion of Christ, um, so much so that he used the phrase Jesus Whitetail Superstar in one of his articles.
1: (laughs) Good Lord.
0: And here's a fun fact. Um, There was a poll taken by supporters of a June ballot measure out in California that would ban mountain lion hunting. Um, and it found that people were more supportive of the ballot once they learned that lion killed deer, more so than when they told people that lions kill children. (laughs) Uh, and so this creates what we now call a Bambi complex, a Bambi factor, the Bambi syndrome. It defines the sentimental, sympathetic attitudes that humans have towards wildlife, especially deer, um... And it, of course, causes this huge backlash, which includes a bunch of satire and even more uh, oppositional op-eds and environmental messaging and then backlash from hunters to that. But that is a whole other, you know, we can go into a whole other episode just basically on how the United States began to see environmentalism and hunting from this point on. And Bambi became the temporary icon for the National Forest Service, and was eventually replaced by Smokey Bear. All right, so this is our fifth episode, and what a time to celebrate five episodes than to talk about Bambi. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you you groaned a little bit. You want to like, why why the why the. Ugh.
1: I don't know. I feel like I instinctively grown at Bambi. I enjoyed this a lot more than I thought I was going to enjoy it. Um, I'm significantly more positive on it than I have been in the past. Um, but the uh is like all my problems with the, the joke, not even jokiness, the silly symphony-esque bits of the previous Disney movies. Are like dialed up to eleven here because you can point to a single character that's emblematic of all of them, which th- is Thumper. I hate Thumper.
0: Why do you hate Thumper?
1: Because he's he's like a little stinker. I don't like him. And every every when Thumper's on screen, the movie's bad. Explain. I I do like the. The, like, actual kind of serious stuff in this movie. Like, the the stuff where Bambi is, like, learning how to be a deer and learning about the, the scary stuff about existing as a deer and just trying to make it through the day. But then Thumper shows up and undercuts all of the tone that they're trying to go for, all the serious stuff. So it's just... Whenever Thumper shows up, I tune out. Also, because... I was watching this with my girlfriend, and early on, when Thumper started talking, she just said, "What is with the line readings in this movie? Because Thumper sounds like he's voiced by an actual child." Wasn't he? I'm pretty sure, like Thumper, Flower, and Bambi, in their youths, are all voiced by actual like five year olds, and it's the worst it is the actual worst.
0: I guess for me, I was like, yeah, like, I think when I was, there was one moment, I don't know if I wrote it down, but I remember, like, distinctly thinking, oh, this is how kids would act. When, um, I think it was when Bambi was, like, learning how to walk or even stand, and, like, every time he fell, like, thumper and all the baby rabbits were just like laughing and they'd be like no no that's not that or like when bambi's like flower and they're like that's not a flower i don't know it was just like i could see five-year-olds acting that way like a hundred like five that's how children act
1: i mean you're right but i hate children so you know
0: Can we put you on the record saying that Harrison hates children? Yes,
1: absolutely. Harrison hates children. Print it, make a t-shirt.
0: Thumper's voice and the way the actor delivers Thumper's lines obviously came up in conversation. And that has an interesting story behind it. So the Walt Disney Company... Basically, brought in a whole group of children for a group audition, and they were trying to find kids who could voice the little baby bunnies um, in the film. And the line that the producers gave the kids was, "Did the young prince fall down?" So they had, you know, the group of kids say it together. And producers say that in the back, they heard this one voice stand out, and they heard this kid go, "Did the young prince fall down?" And apparently, that dramatic delivery really caught their attention. And they were like, no, 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 come, like, we want to, we want to hear you. Like, we want you to say it. So they brought the kid forward. The kid said the line the same way again. And the way that this kid delivered these lines really influenced the way that they shaped Thumper's character, both in the plot of the film and also, you know, the way that they animated the character in the film. So... While for Harrison, that is annoying, it was intentional on the part of the animators because they felt like this kid really encompassed what it was like to be an actual kid through his voice.
1: I can't suffer it. And also, like, Thumper is emblematic of, like, a lot of our uh, guests that we've had so far, that we've talked to at this point, have mentioned that like, have brought back up the fact that Disney movies teach lessons Disney movies moralize while that is present in Dumbo and Snow White in a subtextual level, on a subtextual level and Pinocchio a little bit more directly you can pinpoint the didactic nature of their moralizing to Thumper if you can't say nothing nice don't say anything at all Like, stop it. We know, don't be rude. And you know what? It doesn't seem to work. Thumper still keeps being rude, being mean to this like days old deer who's just learning to walk. Like, I'm sorry, that's super rude.
0: I see what you're saying. It just didn't strike the same emotional chord with me. I'm gonna be honest.
1: I hate Thumper, Thumper sucks. (laughs) Dumb rabbit.
2: My name is Kia Hightower. I am 25 years old. I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I've been a Disney fan my entire life. Um, I am a theater person. Um, I graduated from Oklahoma State University with my degree in theater, and after I graduated from OSU, I moved to Orlando, Florida to work at Disney World for um, a little bit in the Disney College program, so... Um Disney is my life and I
0: love it. I'm bringing Kia in at this point in the discussion because her thoughts and feelings towards Thumper are completely different from Harrison's. I like Thumper. It's funny you say that because we just had our dis- our own discussion about uh, Bambi for the podcast.
1: Do you want to do you want to quote me verbatim?
0: I don't know what you said verbatim because you said a lot about Thumper I verbatim. I did say a
1: lot about that movie. I said, I specifically said, when Thumper's on screen, the movie's bad.
0: (laughs) You face! I like Thumper! No, justify it. Why do you like Thumper? Like, no, like, defend yourself. Tell Harrison why Thumper's great.
2: I can't because I haven't watched Bambi in a while, but I just remember Thumper being super cute,
0: okay? Okay, wait, I do remember... They don't talk
2: for a while in that movie, right? Isn't there a while? I remember thinking that as a kid. Like, I was like, there's not a lot of dialogue. And then Thumper comes out and Thumper's like, and you're like oh, there's there's the audio. Okay. I thought my TV was muted for a second, but there it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I get that.
2: Oh, flower. 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 Isn't that what Thumper says?
1: Yeah. yeah, they're good. They're trying to get him to say bird, oh, and then bird. they get him to say butterfly and flower, like, immediately after.
2: Oh, yeah, okay, so, yeah, they go, they go bird, 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 and then it's, like, flower? <laughs> yeah, I'm remembering it. It's coming back.
0: The audio so. cues of it all, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. The thumper's cute. Speaking of um, the kid trio that we were talking about, literally, yeah like wrote down this is my fourth note that I wrote down skunk is gay.
1: Skunk is gay.
0: Like I'm not trying to like pick up on coding and just make assumptions, obviously. But watching it as
1: Skunk is gay though.
0: I don't know, and it's not just because he lives in the flowers and his name is Flowers. It's just like
1: it is. No, it's it's very much coded in that way because we don't actually know what the what Flower's name is mm-hmm. because Bambi walks up and calls him Flower, and then
0: that's just how he goes by.
1: And he goes, "That's okay. He <laughs> can call me a flower if he wants." Well, yeah, to. that's the
0: thing. It was like and then he does his little bashful thing which they totally picked up from Bashful the Dwarf. Mm-hmm. Like they have the exact same mannerism. Like it's
1: it's the same animation cycle.
0: Yes. Um yeah, it was that specifically. I was like, "Oh my gosh, Flower, you flirt." Like
1: it's coded a very specific way. Mhm. And it's a little bit frustrating because by the end of the by the time we hit spring
0: <laughs> boink.
1: Bonk. <laughs> Go to horny jail movie. Um, the they still feel the like it's very apparent what they're like insinuating with flower, uh, and like it's the forties, so it was like in the forties, so you couldn't like make it super textual. But like they're still like, yep, nope, pair them all off. It's fine. Don't worry about it.
0: Well, and like, it's yeah, yeah, like you said, it's the forties, like that's the only thing they can do they can't like Mm -hmm. they have to
1: yeah and it's also this subconscious like it's the subconscious thing of like even if people even if men act this way they are still attracted to women don't you forget this children and it's just hmm okay not necessarily but also like i don't know it's weird because now i feel like i'm essentializing skunk is gay question mark I think that's the best way to best way to summarize it. Skunk is gay.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's just do it like that.
1: <laughs> I find it this movie. This movie's hard because so like I have leveled the accusation at previous movies that nothing really happens. I want you to tell me what the beat for beat plot of this movie is because other than deer learn how to be deer, I can't do it.
0: I think it's literally, like... But I think the thing is, it's not a plot in the way that we view plots today. You know, it's not, like... It's not a story that is plot-driven. Right. You know? It's interesting because when I was watching it... um, Like, I know I've said with a lot of the films before this one, like, it just dragged on, like... You're just sitting there and you're like, okay, we're 30 minutes in, but we're only like a third of the way done. Like, how is that? But I yeah. will say, I got to be like halfway through and I was like, oh, I'm already halfway through? Like, interesting. Like, I, I, To me, at least, it moves a little differently. All this mm-hmm. to say that I literally think the the, I don't want to say plot, but like the story arc or like what they're doing is literally like a growing up a building's room, not even a building's room on. It's just literally documenting life at its big moments, like at its Uh key turning moments. So you have the birth, obviously a big moment, like, cause you know, someone's born, there wasn't a birth. There wouldn't be a character. I don't, I didn't need to say that, but you know what I mean? Then we go into, like, you know, whenever you talk to parents about their kids and, like, you know, one of the biggest milestones that they talk about, and that seems to be, like, a point, like, a key of them of the kid growing up is when the kid walks and talks. Like, first steps, first words. So after the birth, we have a scene where we see Bambi's first steps, first words. Then it's just, like childhood fun. You know, he makes friends. Um He has to learn how to live in, like, really harsh times. They didn't go into the harshness of winter as much as I think I would have liked because I think there's a lot that you could do with that. Like, you get it through little, like, vignettes, you know, like, the lack of food. They're eating tree bark. Like, they're trying their best. Yeah, so you kind of have, like, that little you know, that moment of life, you know, when you have, like, your hardship, and then I think, um, and also, like, in that time up until then, like, learning how to deer, like, you know, these are the rules, um, setting up, like, who the enemy is, man, um, and then you have the scene, the loss of innocence scene, literally when Bambi's mom dies, like, I don't think that needs to be reiterated anymore, and then what's interesting is we jump X amount of years in the future. Like, I'm not... I don't think Bambi lost his spots and got his antlers in, like, two months. No. That didn't happen. But we don't know how much... we. All we know is, though, is, like, after the moment Bambi's mom dies, we don't see him as a kid anymore. He's, like, an adult. Or maybe even, like, a teenager. You know, like he's he's bypassed that innocence, like he's hit his next milestone. His next milestone being one, he's grown up. That's something adults love to say about kids that they haven't seen in a while. It's like, oh my gosh, look oh. how much you've grown. <laughs> you know,
1: like the owl the owl literally says that.
0: No, exactly, exactly. But then we go straight into well, now it's Bambi's turn to like find his mate, Faline, <laughs> who get to And then they fall in love. We have the one final climactic scene, which is the man comes back and, you know, Bambi has to save Feline in the way he couldn't save his mother because, (laughs) you know, that's a thing. And then, you know, the movie ends the exact same way it begins. Um, Mm -hmm. Bambi has his own kid. And then all, like, the... In a most Lion King way, all the animals of the forest come to greet the new prince, mm-hmm. and it's just the mom and the baby, or the two babies because there's twins, and then the camera pans up, and on top of a cliff, and we see Bambi and his dad, overlooking the forest, protecting the forest. But then the dad leaves, and it just becomes Bambi. It's literally like restarting the cycle, yeah. so it's literally the circle of life. <laughs> is the yeah. story it is yeah. like i don't know i wrote down also like literally like the whole thing gave me lion king vibes right it's, it's very similar
1: right to the You're lion right. king. king yeah except like lion king bases its structure off of hamlet one of the greatest tragedies of all time and this is just shrug let's do some scenes that look dope as hell
0: When thinking back to his memories of watching Bambi as a kid, Justin also found the movie's plot to be boring.
3: Um, you know, I I watched a lot of the early films like Bambi and Dumbo. Um I mean they're they're fine, but I don't really feel anything like I don't really feel any attachment to them. They're like I, I, I can appreciate their significance to their moment. But I don't find them particularly interesting or compelling. Um, maybe that makes me a bad historian, but like they just don't—they don't really resonate with me. Even though I watched them, I watched them just as much as I did, you know, um, the movies I did like from, from Disney. But um, and I don't know if it was—I don't know if it was just the, the story or, um, or what. But I just didn't didn't really care for them
0: you just hate animals that's what it is
3: well I mean the thing about Bambi right is that I don't like for a film to start off so early by you know killing the protagonist mother it's an interesting thing to do especially in a children's movie but then I don't know it just doesn't it doesn't go anywhere with it it doesn't do anything that I find particularly interesting even as a kid I was just like okay yeah
0: (laughs) he grows up yeah
3: he gets antlers he finds pure love you know,
0: completely pure in <laughs> spring.
1: <laughs> Cause I will say this movie's gorgeous. Oh, and I do, I do appreciate the fact that it's cyclical. I do really like the fact that we literally end where we started, um, with. Feline and the two babies, because you, <laughs> as my girlfriend put it, well, you gotta have a spare. Um,
0: I mean, we all know know Feline's just going to (laughs) die. Yeah. So that's one for Bambi to take care of and one for the dad, his dad to take care of.
1: Well, yeah, because that's the thing. Bambi is like, I'm going to follow my father's footsteps and be an absent father figure.
0: (laughs) Okay. I was going to say, if we don't mind switching gears. Yeah. So when I was a child and watched this movie all the time, so I, so a little background on me, I grew up Catholic you know, like, grew up going to Catholic school and all that. Like, learned about Jesus, God, and all that. I realized when watching this that my... When I watched this movie as a kid, like, the dad is what I associated God to be. Like, that kind of a figure. Yeah, that's you know, valid. Big, protective, but also, like, absent. Always watching, because, you know, he's always on the cliffs watching out for everyone. But you never see him. You never get interaction with him. You never really get a personality from him. You know, you just know he's there and he's watching. But like, he's this like mysterious. Like, cause like literally, I think he has like what two lines. Like, come along, Bambi, and that's it.
1: Yeah, he has like two lines after after the mom dies, and then we and he. It's like implied that he's like, all right, I'll take it from here. I'll fix the damage or cause more. Uh. And then we jump at least a year. Uh, and based off of the, like, size of the horns, I think it is about a year. Um, And then we never see him again until the very end, where well, he's, like...
0: And then helps with man. Yeah, yeah that whole thing. Yeah. He only shows up, like, in those... And that's the thing, like, when Bambi's mom dies, you know, Bambi's by himself, he's alone, he's walking around. But then, like, this figure comes to comfort him, you know, and that's kind of, like how people view God is like when you're like down and you're distressed and you have all these hardships, you turn to him and he's supposed to provide you like that comfort and that like support and get you like going where you're going, you know?
1: Right. But I mean, I don't know if he provides Bambi comfort. It's very much a, come on Bambi, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. We got to keep going.
0: Yeah. But I think that's like a lot of, that's how people find comfort is like just having that. I think some people would view that as comfort. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, anyways, but I just thought that I will say though, and this isn't part of this movie, but, um, Walt Disney has a direct to video sequel Jesus. that literally is about Bambi and his father and their relationship. And it starts when Bambi's mom dies and it ends as Bambi's getting his spots or losing his spots and getting his horns. So like that whole middle that like You don't see because, like, the dad, the great prince is just, like, this absent
4: Mm -hmm.
0: figure. Like, you get all that in a movie. I don't remember it. I had to watch the trailer last night because I was like, this was a thing, right? And it was.
1: Yeah. I also think it's interesting that they were just like, this deserves to be fleshed out. Does it? Does it really? I think, like, not having it there, you get the gist. Like, death of innocence, he's become an adult let's jump forward to when that's actually relevant.
0: Exactly. Like, I think for the... Yeah, yeah and I, I, I agree. Basically, for the plots of this movie, you don't really need to go into that. Because mm-hmm. you can fill in the gaps enough. Just yeah. based on... Because it'd be just a little superfluous. Yeah,
1: The movie's also 72 minutes long already. Like, we don't... like, And it feels long. We don't need any more of this.
0: So you, you think it felt long?
1: It does feel long, just because, like, the... Uh, the shen- again, the shenanigans don't sit with me, so that first half of the movie is just an absolute slog.
0: That makes sense.
1: And then the back half, I'm like, no, this is great. There's, like, some weird eco-fascist vibes going on. This
0: Right?
1: Is, it, like, man and nature cannot coexist. Mm-hmm. Man will only destroy nature. We need to, like...
0: Literally? Okay. Man leaves a freaking campfire unattended because man doesn't know how to attend a campfire and sets the whole forest on fire unintentionally. Yep. Like if that is not a commentary on how terrible we are as humans when it comes to like preserving and respecting nature, I don't know what else is.
1: Right. But then it's like, I don't know. It, I was getting some weird, like, like big, like we are the virus vibes from this. Like, in the... Like, you've... The online discourse surrounding coronavirus has not been great. Uh, And I I got a lot of similar vibes coming off of Bambi because of the way that they're like, yeah, man can... Man only serves as a threat to nature. There's no coexistence here. Um, They will only destroy. They will only take. They will only break lives. Yada, yada, yada. And it just... Like it felt very weird and gross to me. Like I know the the big joke on Twitter for like at the start of the COVID stuff was nature is healing, we are the virus, which is not great. That is like textbook ego fascism, and I'm getting a lot of similar vibes from this. So at least the ending anyways, despite how gorgeous that the fire looks. Like that wide shot of the entire forest on fire is incredible.
0: I read this somewhere can't remember where (laughs) but like their intention with this was to make like a we need to conserve the environment film and to like mostly just show people like just watch out like what you do because like this is the effect it can have
1: in terms of that i think this movie succeeds it's a gorgeously well realized depiction of the environment Mm -hmm. uh and and ecology um the animation on every one of these animals is incredible
0: 100% the yes. only
1: one that really feels like anthropomorphized is the owl mm. um but that's just because like, i got i think that might be because like he's the one that like actually does a lot of like moving around and like gesturing and also yeah. those <laughs> thick legs of his were very off-putting because birds don't have legs like that they're very thin <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh! Yeah, he also I think has the most personality. Yeah. Besides Thumper. I
1: would I would agree.
0: Al has creepy eyes.
1: He does. It's very off-putting.
0: <laughs> See, I guess it didn't really like uh, strike me as much. I was just kind of like, eh, it's an owl.
1: Eh, I get that, but also the amount of times he is like right up in the camera with his big old eyes, <laughs> just like full on. It's re—I found it extremely disconcerting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess like especially like when you look at how realistic everything else is in the movie. Yeah. Like it's not like a slapstick movie at all, especially compared to Dumbo, which we just watched. It's very like the like nothing about it is or not. I don't want to say anything, but it comparatively, it's a lot more focused mm-hmm. on those like Disney formalism principles that right. we've been talking about
1: yeah absolutely
0: the music um, yeah specifically I'm thinking of like when the mom dies
2: mm-hmm.
0: it that I didn't realize how much that stood stayed with me over the years because I haven't seen this movie in, like what 10 years at least um, probably more. So the first scene when they're in the meadow, and you know she's walking out and like it's like the really like high violin strings and you're like ooh this is eerie and then um they're out in the meadow and then like you hear the and then like they're all like ah man and they all run and you hear the gunshots the first time I was like oh this is when she dies this is sad nope nope But, like, I had, like, a very, like, my whole body, like, tense. I was, like, oh, my gosh. Like, before I even realized this would probably be, this could be the scene when she died, I was, like, oh, wait. Like, the music cued me to that. And then when Mm -hmm. it happened the second time, it was even worse.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, no, same here. Uh, Because I was sitting here thinking, like, I I was just thinking in terms of, like, how long the movie was. I'm like, they don't have time to go to the meadow twice, do they? They That's what I was thinking. (laughs) They found time to go to the meadow twice. Like, it's unbelievable.
5: I'm Erica Feda. I am from St. Louis initially, but have been living in Chicago for the past five years now. Um first for undergrad, and I'm in grad school currently for social work and women's and gender studies. Um, I like... Good thing this isn't live, because I'm bad at talking.
0: You're fine. (laughs)
5: Um, Just what do you like? Like, What are some things
0: that bring you joy?
5: Um, I get brought a lot of joy by reptiles. I really like reptiles. I currently have two reptiles. I have a crested gecko named Old Man Slurpee and a hognose snake, a Western Plains hognose, um, named Eggs Benedict. I call her Benny. Other than that, I do school. I sometimes do Taekwondo. I've been training for 14, 15 years or something like that. So how did you discover Disney films? Um... My parents, one of the first movies that my parents got me when I was little, I think for like Easter, probably not when I was like one, but like old enough to understand what movies were. Um, My parents got me Bambi for Easter. And apparently as a child, I just like totally did not pick up on the fact that the mom did like died. And I told my mom one time, and I was like, oh, the mom just went shopping. She's just gone shopping. (laughs) And my parents were like,
0: yeah, yep." But Erica was really the only person we talked to who was unaffected by the death of Bambi's mom. When we talked to Kia, that scene was one of the first things to remember about the movie, which then led to a longer conversation about the theme of dead parents in Disney films.
2: I don't know, I don't, okay. Once again, gotta fact check. But I guess there was—I don't remember which movie it was. I remember seeing it in a meme. But I guess Disney did somebody—did one of his parents die? One of Walt's parents, and then he wrote *Bambi* or like something like that. He wrote something shortly after one of the parents died, or something tragic happened with their relationship to the point where, like, he basically used this next movie that he wrote as therapy to like get over the fact that he had this. I don't or remember interview. which one. I gotta fa- I gotta check that. I remember seeing that like as a meme. It wasn't really an article. It was just like, ah, oh, Disney's using his own movies as therapy for.
1: I mean, one all all directors do that.
2: <laughs> True. Okay. Especially,
1: especially I, men.
2: I think you know? like Bambi. I think I think they said so, like the reason why he had Bambi's mother killed was because he was going through something similar at the time or something. I don't hmm. know. Are you looking it up?
1: yeah uh, a 2014 article from business insider called why disney movies don't have mothers uh says walt's mother flora died in 1938 after snow white and the seven dwarves and during the production of pinocchio mm. um the rest of the article is behind a paywall um <laughs> or and they want me to turn off my app blocker, which is not happening
2: <laughs> um like You said his mom
0: died
1: in 38? Yeah. 38. Bambi was 42. Yeah, so it would make sense that that would make sense for Bambi.
0: Dead parents in Disney films and the emotional response that elicits from an audience came up in a few of our interviews. When we were conducting pre-interviews with some of our guests, Emily mentioned that Disney films do a good job making the audience feel something. We asked her about this and our conversation eventually landed on that scene in Bambi when his mom dies. And we talked about this a little bit before. Disney makes a good job making you feel something, mm-hmm. you know, it puts you on that emotional roller coaster. Um, can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Do you have anything else to say?
4: I So I think maybe where they're not super great at like creating those emotion, those emotional roller coasters, as I put it, is like, I don't think that their movies can relate to everyone, but I don't think that's possible. So it's not I don't know that, that I would call that a negative anyway.
1: Um so kinda to jump off of that one, um the discourse around Disney recently has beginning to begun to pivot away from discussions of emotional authenticity to questions of emotional manipulation. Okay. Where dis- where Disney tends to hit the same beats every time in a way that is like at this point proven to pull those reactions out of people. And I'm just wondering if, one, do you agree with the notion that these films are manipulative rather than authentic and – Elaborate on why or why not?
4: Can I ask you to give me an example of what you mean by that?
1: So I know this is kind of outside of the realm of <laughs> what we're discussing, but I think it's a good example of this. um You've seen Inside Out, right? No. Okay. Well, never mind. Uh, I mean, like I know the story, okay, but I so haven't seen it. They pretty much create an imaginary character, imaginary friend character in that movie, just to essentially kill it off to pull at that heartstring of like, oh. This cute, wacky thing is dying. I'm going to cry now. Okay. So people have started to level the accusation at Disney that, like, you keep going back to the same well, the same emotional beats.
4: When else have they done that?
1: <sighs> um. You know, ah, if you hadn't done that. <laughs> um.
4: Or just like a similar yeah. kind of situation, like or um, in a pull, uh, an intentional manipulation.
0: Of... Well, I guess you could pull it all the way back mm-hmm. to Bambi.
1: Yeah. Oh, oh yes. Thank you. Okay. Like, yes.
0: you know, the mom is there and then they kill, you know, you, like sh- right. there are these characters that you like I mean, and that you're made to like. Mm-hmm. And then they just, the planet. Yeah. I,
4: yeah, sure. They're guilty of that. What movie producing company isn't guilty of something akin to that? That's part of I think producing film is especially content that you want to be mass appealing to the masses and find something that everybody can relate to. I'm sure every everybody nobody likes to talk about Bambi's mom. Okay, <laughs> like it's it's sad. Everybody gets that. We all have a very similar opinion on the fact that that's, that's not fun to watch. Um, I think that there are many many movies Disney and not non Disney that do similar things. So. As far as, like, whether or not that's manipulation, maybe, but it works. If it makes you feel something and it makes you feel something that other people are feeling too, Mm -hmm. then there might be some merit to that.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I actually 100% agree with you. (laughs) No, I just, I wanted to push on that a little bit. Yeah, Yeah, no, that's a good answer.
0: That's a good answer. I was going to, yeah, yeah. Very diplomatic, remember? (laughs) You are.
1: Yeah, you're real good at this.
2: (laughs) Right? (laughs)
1: There's some wild tonal shifts in this movie just mm-hmm. out of nowhere mm-hmm. going straight from mom's dead super serious super gray everything to fade fade to black come up on
0: <laughs> yeah just
1: <laughs> it is like I'm sorry I need to take a minute and readjust my spinal cord from all this whiplash you're giving me, like it's insane
0: it was yeah, cause you're yeah, it was a lot, I will say to just go a complete one eighty
1: and to also just go into like like the fu- like the super upbeat cheery, colorful songs are one thing, but to go from like I understand thematically why it's the case, but to go from death and loss of innocence right into mating season
0: but in a way like when we think about probably like gender norms of the time the he- you know just like you know Bambi uh-huh. lost his mom he really quickly had to re- he got, he got, he was in in terms of the movie he replaced him- his mom real fast.
1: Immediately. <laughs>
0: like, he, like, didn't
1: Immediately. Wait at all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well,
0: yeah.
1: Okay- oh, go ahead. No, yeah, it's just, it's very weird. It's very weird. There's a lot of weird stuff in this movie.
0: <laughs> well, and one thing I kind of wanted to go off of, as we're talking about, like, mothers and women, let's talk about women a bit in this film. What um, What women? Exactly. Women presented as the ideal mate is what I realize. Yep. Literally, there's three women. Four, four women.
1: Yeah, there are women in the background, mm-hmm. but... Um...
0: Women who are mothers. Or yes. babies. But there's Bambi's mom, Feline, female skunk, female rabbit, and Thumper's mom, I guess. Like, that would be five. Yeah.
1: And Feline's mom. But that's about it.
0: Yeah. But, like, think of it this way. They're either mothers or they're mates. Mm Mm-hmm. That's it. Who
1: who then become mothers.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Or even children who then become mates who then become mothers.
1: Yep. It is... This is the only form of existence that is acceptable for lady animals.
0: And not to mention, so either you are the ideal stay-at-home mom who watches all the kids while the husband's out doing the husband stuff because that's what we see all the moms do like you Uh know they're the ones taking the kids out we never see thumper's dad we never see flowers parents in general um so like either they're like the caretaker the ideal caretaker Uh or they're just super horny and want to get in an animal's (laughs) pants Literally, the women like they throw them. Like I don't want to say they throw themselves at them, but they're very like. Mm-hmm. And I will say, good for them for being like, "Ooh, I see that snack of a bunny. I'm gonna go flirt with him."
1: Uh, okay, can we talk <laughs> about the lady bunny for a minute? Can we talk about Thumper's? Yes, yes we uh, can. The, the The bunny who's flirting with dumper She's got like a Santa Claus beard, and it's hilarious. <laughs> like it's not uncommon for disney to like feminize and sexualize their lady animals even when they're just animals but it is a bold decision it the the fish fish. the fish it is a bold decision to give this bunny what looks like a santa claus beard (laughs) and still be like no this is sexy believe it (laughs)
0: She, it's like almost like a huge like feather boa that you'd see like uh-huh. a like a like a burlesque singer have or something.
1: Yeah, except it's attached to directly to her face. It is baffling. <laughs> uh,
0: but no, like you see what I like. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's all the women are in this film, and it's you're just kind of like oh.
1: And then don't forget the 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 one peasant who's uh not peasant, pheasant, pheasant, mm. the bird, not the, not the feudal commoner. Um,
0: but like, it's kind of a feudal commoner. Yeah. Like and, well, the yeah. Bambi's the prince. Like, right.
1: Yeah. But the pheasant that gets scared of the existence, like of the men stomping through the, fo- the, the meadow. And is like, nah, I'm gonna fly away. And everyone's like, that's a stupid idea. Stay put. And she's like, I can't help it. I'm too scared. Goodbye. So that's also not great that if you're not the ide- if women are not the ideal mate, they are easily scared. But that also could go along with the the fact that like they're trying to do their best to portray the animals in their
0: mm-hmm.
1: what is assumed to be natural states. So I don't know. It's yeah. weird. This movie's weird.
0: It is kinda weird. Very strange. Because like again, you can kinda say that with the whole like Twitter painted you know scene. like you know, the biological explanation is it's spring. animals are wired to mate. Mm-hmm. So that's why they get the way they do.
1: Yeah, it's hard to read any it's this is another movie that's kind of like hard to make anything stick to it in terms of gender because it's like animals operate on instinct. There's an immediate like brush aside for anything here, but like, Still not great that the only females that only female females women that we see in this movie are like depicted as mating objects, mm-hmm. and it's 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 just odd, not great,
0: right? Because it's one of those things where it's like you want to make assumptions about it, but then you also know like, well, this is what they were intending to do with it, like to encapsulate. Mm-hmm. The forest animal life as realistically as possible,
1: but while also ascribing human traits to it, which make, inter which welcomes interpretations, invites them even. Exactly. But, but also, they conduct this like a nature documentary at points.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's weird because you have those moments where like a scene that really like a nature doc scene the way that you put it that really stands out is when Bambi's mom is going into the meadow mm-hmm. almost like it looks really realistic. Like, you know, you'd be like, this is how a deer would probably like, you know, it's hunched down. It's like drawn really well. But then you have those moments or those like anthropomorphic depictions, friend owl.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And it, it like, it's, it's kind of like what you said before the silly symphony, esque nature of it and it the movie's attempt to depict nature life as realistically as possible have moments where they clash
1: mm-hmm. and
0: tonally in a way do clash when you step back and look at it
1: it's just a movie that is like by its by the nature of its existence is like inherently tonally dissonant mm-hmm. which makes it hard to reconcile um I don't know. I put all the blame for that on Thumper. Thumper sucks. Oh, oh, I will say this. Um, in the, it is so clear, like having just watched Fantasia um, for this pod, like how much these animators loved working on Fantasia because there's so many sequences in this where the music, like the, the score kind of cues up with the visuals on screen. Yes. Like, like, they really like doing that kind of stuff. Um, and I think that's like, those are the sequences that really work. Like the, the little April showers bit, uh, which segues into the storm. And then also the bit where they're in the meadow and all the male deer are prancing around and Bambi's like following them around. Both of those feel like the tail end of the pastoral symphony. Mm. Um, and it's just, I think it's super cool and it's super refreshing. Like in these movies where I'm not super connected a whole bunch of the time to be given little treats like this little nuggets of just here's a little bit of Fantasia please don't tune out yeah I just I feel spoken to
0: (laughs) they haven't forgotten about you
1: nope they have not and I appreciate it
0: Well, that's all we got for this week. You can find me on Twitter at Alex underscore Isaac and on Instagram at Alex Isaac underscore.
1: You can find me on Twitter at play underscore champion.
0: You can also follow the show at dream deeper pod on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can write to us at dream a at gmail.com. A huge thanks to all of our guests who took the time to talk to us for this episode. You can follow Kia at Kia D smiley face on Instagram and the Disney princess company she works for at once upon a crown events. You can follow Justin at J underscore O underscore Rollins on Twitter. You can follow Erica's lizard children at Benny dot and the dot man's on Instagram. And you can follow Emily at Emily underscore Michelle on Twitter.
1: Thank you all so much for joining us. Next week, we will be discussing Saludos Amigos and the Three Caballeros. Until then, dream on, silly dreamers.